Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the My 88 Podcast. My name is Wayne Tunks and, well, I'm back after <laughs> after having a long time between Episode 5 and 6. Episode 7 is coming in hot and fast, mostly because I was really inspired by our album of the week. Every single week on My 88, we highlight a new album brought to you by the Blacktown Workers Club. And we play tracks from that album all week long. And this week, it is a fantastic album. I also had just bought it on vinyl and record store this day. And I thought I needed to do a deep dive and a bit of review on a classic album. It is a great one. It's Stevie Nicks and Belladonna. I have been a long Stevie Nicks fan. And if I'm completely honest, at the age of 47, I really got into Stevie Nicks in 85. When Talk To Me and I Can't Wait came out, I was just so in love with those songs. Fantastic tunes. So I didn't know the stuff from Belladonna as well. Then Fleetwood Mac came out with Tango in the Night and Seven Wonders was a song that I just adored. And as the years went on, I really got to love all of Stevie Nicks' material. So then, when her greatest hits album, Timescape, came out, that's when I really started to discover her earlier work. And I went back and listened to Belladonna for the first time and just loved it. So revisiting it again when I just bought the vinyl, it felt like coming home to an old friend it was so great to listen to the tracks, and I'm really loving listening to everything in vinyl at the moment. It just gives that authenticity to the music. Certainly, when it was being released at the time, that's how they wanted you to listen to it. So in this episode, I am going to go deep into Belladonna and discover its secrets. Let's talk about the facts first. Belladonna is Stevie Nicks' debut solo studio album. It was released on July 27 in 1981. It reached one in both Australia and the US, two in Canada and 11 in the UK, which, come on, the UK, you could have done better. But over the years, they did ignore a lot of Stevie's great work. Belladonna reached platinum status in the US on October 7, 1981, less than three months after its release, and in 1990 was certified quadruple platinum for four million copies shipped. Belladonna spent nearly three years on the Billboard 200. Pretty impressive indeed. The album marked the first recording featuring Nix's backing vocalists, Sharon Solani and Laurie Perry, who still record and tour with Nix today. The album was also inducted into the greatest of all-time Billboard 200 albums chart. Nix began work on Belladonna in 1979, in between sessions for her third album with Fleetwood Mac, which was Tusk, which was released in October that year. Nix recorded various demo versions of songs in early and mid-1980, but these recordings were not used in the album. 
Following the end of the Tusk tour on September 1, 1980, work with a full band of other musicians commenced under producer Jimmy Iovine. Now let's talk singles. Up first, her duet with Tom Petty, the wonderful Stop Dragging My Heart Around. Stop Dragging My Heart Around. The track is the album's only song that was neither written nor co-written by Nix. Written by Tom Petty and Mike Campbell. As a Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers song, Jimmy Iovine, who was working for Stevie Nicks as producer at the time, arranged for her to sing it. Petty sang with Nicks in the chorus and on the bridge while his entire band, save Ron Blair, whose bass track was played by Donald Duck Dunn, great name, played on the song. A performance of the song in the studio was used as the promotional video. The video was the 25th video to be played on MTV's launch date on August 1, 1981. The song reached 10 in Australia, 5 in Canada, 3 in the US and a terrible 50 in the UK. In the US, it is Nix's biggest solo hit and the Heartbreakers' biggest hit as well. When I saw Stevie Nicks a few years back at the ICC in Sydney, it was only shortly after Tom Petty had just passed and it was very moving hearing Stevie talk about her love and respect for Tom and how great it was doing this song with him. I guess it's made it feel even better and more special. It's also interesting that Stevie didn't actually want to include it in the album, but Jimmy Iovine told her she didn't have any singles and that she needed this one for the album to really be big. He was right about needing the song, not about there not being other singles, because, hey, let's face it, the rest of the songs on the album are great. It really is one of the best duets of the 80s. The track has a bluesy feel and a great conversational lyrics. My favourite lines... And baby, you could never look me in the eye, but why you buckle with the weight of the words? Oh, so picturesque and perfect. And just how well do their voices blend together? Which is not easy because they really do have distinctive voices, but together it sounds like magic. Great single. Next up, we've got Leather and Lace with Don Henley. Released on October 6, 1981, Leather and Lace featuring Don Henley only got to 68 in Australia, but hit 12 in Canada and 6 in the US. How iconic that two members of two of the biggest bands ever got together for a duet, Fleetwood Mac and the Eagles, of course. How was this not bigger around the world? In fact, this was Don Henley's first trip away from the group having a hit. In the linear notes to Time Space, Stevie Nicks explained, I wrote this song because Waylon Jennings called me up and asked me to write a song called Leather and Lace. It was to be a duet for him and his wife, Jessie Coulter. And I worked very hard trying to explain what it was like to be in love with someone in the same business and how to approach dealing with each other. It's probably the hardest thing in the world to do because it falls out of your hands and into the hands of the world, which tends to want you not to be able to handle it. I have to tell you now that Mr. Don Henley was pretty much responsible for this song because he came over every day and told me to either start over or that I was on the right track. And he made me finish it because I almost gave up many times. When it was finally finished, Don and I had made a very simple demo of it. He sang it with me and it was truly wonderful. And then I found out that Wayland and Jesse were breaking up 
and Waylon wanted to just sing it by himself. After all that work I put into the philosophy of two people dealing with this problem, I told Waylon that only four people in the world could sing this song, he and his wife, or myself and Don Henley. Don and I had been going out for quite a while, and, bless his heart, he did sing it with me, and again, as fate would have it. It became one of the most special love songs that I would ever write, and remains that, even today, after all these years. All in all, it was an unforgettable experience, as was he. Blame it on my wild heart. Oh, Stevie Nicks, she's such a great storyteller. Even reading Lydia notes, you're like, I can hear it perfectly. But this song is so special, and the older I get, the more I appreciate it. When I first got into Stevie, I would have picked Stop Dragging My Heart Around as my favourite duet. Still love it, but now it is leather and lace. There's this incredible yearning, a whimsy, a melancholy that makes my heart sing, but also makes me want to cry when I listen to it, and that's what the best songs do. Don Henley does a beautiful job of singing, and he sings it well, but really lets Stevie shine, and she just really blows us away with a really incredibly understated vocal performance. My favourite lines, you say I'm fragile, I try not to be. I search only for something that I can't see. Oh, what a beautiful song. I just listened to it again then, and I was like, yeah. This is a beautiful song. Now let's move on to something that uh, gets me up and moving. The third single, Edge of Seventeen. Shall we talk about my favourite song from the album... And single number three, I I think we should. It is Edge of Seventeen. Now, it only charted in Canada and the US, getting to 11 in both countries. But that chart performance worldwide does not reflect how good that song is because it really has stood the test of time more than so many other songs from this era. It is still so beloved and used wonderfully in pop culture. There's the great sample in Destiny's Child Bootylicious, which saw Stevie make a cameo in the music video. Then there's the mashup with Miley Cyrus on her single Midnight Sky, becoming Edge of Midnight. It saw the two legends sing on each other's songs, and it is pop brilliance. I really do love that song. If you haven't heard it, check it out. Then it is featured prominently throughout American Horror Story Coven from the year 2013. And the Stevie Nicks-obsessed hippie witch, Misty Day, played by Lily Rabe, used it as her anthem. Stevie would then guest appear towards the end of the season and was fantastic in all of her appearances. Let's talk about the song. So, she wrote the song about the death of her uncle and the death of John Lennon. The line about words from a poet and a voice from a choir refer to Lennon. Speaking about the song in commentary from her live in-concert video recorded on her Belladonna tour, she explained, I was in Australia when John Lennon was shot. Everybody was devastated. I didn't know John Lennon, but I knew Jimmy Iovine, who worked with John quite a bit in the 70s and heard all the loving stories that Jimmy told about him. When I came back to Phoenix, I started to write this song. Right when I got to Phoenix, my Uncle Bill got cancer, got very sick very fast and died in a couple of weeks. My cousin John Nix and I were in the room when he died. There was just John and I there. That was part of the song when I went running down the hallways looking for somebody. I thought, where's my mum? Where's his wife and the rest of the family? At that point, I went back to the piano and finished the song. Stevie came out with the titles when she asked Tom Petty's wife Jane when the couple met. 
Jane said, at the age of 17, but she had a very strong southern accent, and Stevie thought she said, the edge of 17, which is a much better song than at the age of 17. (laughs) Now, you can't talk about the song and not talk about that iconic guitar riff. The second you hear it, you're transported into the world of Edge of Seventeen. Then there's Stevie's soaring vocals. I've gotten very carried away while listening to this in the car and have had people staring at me as I I do a Stevie Nicks concert. I have absolutely no regrets about that. My favourite line. So with the slow, graceful flow of age, I went forth with an age-old desire to please on the Edge of Seventeen. The song is timeless, and I really do believe it is that very rare, perfect pop rock song. Oh, I just love it. I think I'm going to have to listen to it again after I finish recording this podcast. Now let's move to single four, After the Glitter Fades. The fourth and final single from Belladonna, After the Glitter Fades, only charted in the US, reaching number 32. But with that album selling so well, people who liked the song probably just had the album already. I don't think it's any sign of how good the song is. The song was actually written back in 1972, in the same period as the iconic Landslide. It was before Fleetwood Mac and was during the Buckingham Knicks duo period. The song was originally written with Dolly Parton in mind as the singer, but Nix couldn't locate her to pitch it. Dolly would have sung it wonderfully, but I'm glad Stevie held on to it for herself. My favourite line, even though the living is sometimes laced with lies, it's alright. Oh, she really is a poet. The song is country pop and is so wonderfully reflective and, again, melancholic. It's funny that this was written before fame. But in 82, after all a success, it seems to have had such a loaded meaning, and that is a great thing. It's a softer song, and I really love that. It came onto my radio station, My 88, this morning, and I just let it wash all over me. It is such a fantastically beautiful song. Oh, the singles were great. But now, let's have a quick chat about the rest of the album. Now, let's be honest, there's not really a bad song on the whole album. It is just wonderful, and it flows perfectly. This feels like an album that was years in the making. While she obviously loves her work with Fleetwood Mac, she needed some time alone to reflect, create, and tell her own stories. And she does that here. Some are reflective, some are hopeful, and all of them are great. And there's this beautiful melancholy that runs through the whole album that I just really love. Her relationships clearly have a big impact on her songwriting, and she's unafraid to go deep. There's an integrity to the work that is authentic, and she perfectly showcases her unique voice. Belladonna is the opening song and sets up the scene perfectly. How Still My Love is probably the most Fleetwood Mac sounding song and would be perfect on a quiet night with a glass of wine, maybe in the bath. I'm going to be planning that for the next time it rains. <laughs> and The Highwayman is the perfect way to send the send this album off. It is just a really great tune. Now, as for the recent Record Store Day release, I 
purchased it and I love it. The whole album is full of alternate tracks and original versions and there's some soundtrack songs like Blue Lamp and Sleeping Angels which are on here as well which is really great to have with the Belladonna album. You know other songs as well like Golden Braid and Sleeping Angel, The Dealer, all here on this album in different versions and just really fantastic. It's it's a great album to listen to the original one and then to put the next vinyl on and just hear alternate tracks or just really let these other songs wash all over you. It's really, really great. Now, this is really, truly a classic album, an album from one of the big icons of the music industry. And this was just the start of her amazing solo career that just had so many highlights and has just really given me so much joy over the years. So I really wanted to highlight her today. So thank you for tuning in. Remember, you can listen to My 88 at any time. We stream all over the world using iHeartRadio. Look us up or you can go to our website, my88.com.au and I'll catch you for the next podcast. This is My 88. Tongues out.